What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Martial Media Montage, episode 115. I'm going to be talking three Leslie Nielsen comedies, a new drama thriller film that came out in 2023, recent pickups from a, a recent swap meet, as well as antique store that I went to over the weekend, a game that I beat, which I talked about on last episode, uh, recent toy pickups, recent video games that I was playing with a buddy of mine, and uh, a movie revisited very, very briefly that I uh, watched with a buddy of mine. Uh, yeah, there you have it. Episode 115. I don't really want to give too much away. I mean, it's rather short and sweet and to the point, but it covers a lot of different stuff. Um, as I say in the end, I'm not necessarily sure if I'm going to be doing anything anytime soon in terms of episodes, because I'm going to be busy with work anywhere between two weeks of the next month. So I might be on hiatus for a little bit, but, uh, here it is. I crunched it out. Episode 115 coming at you guys. Let's go. All right, I'm going to be talking to you guys about three Leslie Nielsen films. Leslie Nielsen, obviously, you know, one of the classic comedians who didn't really seem to age in terms of looking at him from the 70s to the 90s to even like early millennium before he passed But uh, at the age of 84. But that being said, I found three films that I was like, well, I haven't seen or heard of these, and I want to talk about them. I don't really have too much information on them since there really wasn't that much information to dig uh, for anyway. So here it is, 2001 A Space Travesty, free on YouTube, released 2000, rated R, has uh, 3.5, so 3,500, I guess would be the score out of uh, 10,000 reviews, which isn't very good. And it's it's okay uh, in terms of the other ones. I think they progressively get better. Uh, so I guess if I were to go to you know A to C scale, I'd probably go CBA if you ask me. But I'm going to be talking about this one first. The tagline here is the most outer spaced comedy or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, the most outer spaced out comedy ever. And uh, I guess that's a decent tagline. I mean, it was a nice try, but uh, it was almost over the top like slapstick. But it still had its moments where I definitely laughed for sure. Because, I mean, it's Leslie Nielsen. Come on. He plays Marshall Dix, and he is to free the president from aliens on a lunar base. Uh, who a clone has replaced uh, the president. And he's in the White House, and he's essentially able to save the world. Uh, can he save the world is more or less what the tagline says. But as I've stated, it's free on YouTube. I believe Camouflage, which is the sequel – or not sequel, sorry, the other film I'm going to be talking about, as well as I think American Carol might be on uh, Tubi as well or uh, what is it, Free V or Aniplex or where the hell it's called. Actually, Aniplex is fucking anime. I'm dumb. <laughs> wow. Anyway, starring Liz and Nielsen, as I mentioned, Ophelia Winter, who is in this as well. Schwing, yeah, I made a uh, Wayne's World reference as Cassandra Minaj. Cassandra, she will be mine. Another uh, fucking Wayne's World reference. Hell yeah. Anyway, released September 7th. Uh, basically days before, um, uh, the 9-11 attack, it was, yeah, released September 7, 2001, filmed in Canada, Montreal, Quebec. Its budget was 45 million and it only grossed 270,000. So yeah, it, it flopped. According to Wiki, it was also filmed in LA, question mark, because it, there was really no sense of continuity. Like I said, there really wasn't that much information on this film. It was also nominated for the worst film of 2001. Uh, that's all I really have on this film. I mean, if you want to watch like a goofy, uh, basically like, what do I want to say? Maybe like master of disguise meets like naked gun, like in outer space. I mean, that's pretty much what you kind of get. It's not nearly as good as naked gun or master of disguise. If you ask me, but it had its moments where I was definitely laughing, but the whole construct of the film as a whole, I'm like, uh, it was just kind of just there, but it was still funny in some regard. Okay. Next film. Camouflage, 2001, rated R. 
an hour and 38 minutes. We are 138. Yes, I do love the Misfits, and I do enjoy THX 1138. Yeah, I had to make that reference. Uh, it has 44.5 out of uh, 2,100 reviews. So 40, yeah. It, it, you know, out of 10, it, it, it's not very good as well. Uh, yeah, yikes. Okay. Uh, the uh, he's uh, Essentially, it's about an actor uh, played by, uh, what's his name? Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Who discovers the dark side of the private investigation uh, history when he takes on an assignment in Oregon with a crusty PI, a.k.a. Leslie Nielsen, who is played by uh, Jack Potter, I guess, in this instance. Yeah, Jack Potter is, excuse me, played by Leslie Nielsen, written by Billy Bob Thornton, of all people, and two other writers. He was the only one that I recognized the name, and I was like, I know who that is, so I figured I'd mention it. Directed by James Keach, who also was the motorcycle cop in National Lampoon's Vacation. The old one with uh, Chevy Chase and, uh, what, John Candy and Beverly D'Angelo and so forth. That's a classic, classic comedy. I love that film. Also starring Lachlan Monroe. That's his name. The guy who plays an actor in this film. He wrote, he wrote a play about a, uh, a P.I., essentially. He's like, oh, well, if I could write a play, I might as well see if I can try out to see if I can be a private investigator. And little does he know, uh, it's a lot of work. And uh, Lachlan Monroe is from uh, Scary Movie 1, the guy who is in the... Uh, what the showers in the gym or whatever. And you know, he has uh, the picture of like the baby dick in the lockers. <laughs> I'm going to kill you or whatever the hell he says. Like, and it's a picture of the baby. Dick. <laughs> yeah. So that's the guy's name. I never would have known unless I uh, decided to look this film up via um, IMDb. Lachlan Monroe. What a name. William Forsyth is also in this as the sheriff. And I knew who that was right away. Ever since, you know, out for justice with uh, Steven Seagal. But uh, yeah, William Forsyth, I don't think it's enough credit for a lot of his work, if you ask me. Uh, Patrick Warburton, yes, as Horace, a.k.a. The Tick. He's also, what, the voice of Joe and a family guy. The tagline here for this film is, you never know where he'll pop up next, essentially, is what I was trying to read here, what I wrote. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess short and sweet and to the point. You know, that one kind of works. Um, released March 14, 2005, filmed in L.A. Its budget was $10 million. And then there's nothing on Wikipedia that I could find. Uh, and then there's no sense of gross with this film. They, they both kind of went under the radar. I think this one was a little bit of a, uh, like an action comedy, uh, better than uh, 2001. I think I laughed more in 2001, A Space Travesty. But this one just, it seemed to have like a better story, kind of like a whodunit. You weren't sure like who the villain was and you're like, oh, and then you kind of realize, you know, at the end. I'd say it's, it's worth a watch uh, at least once. Uh, okay. All right, in terms of uh, Leslie Nielsen comedies, I have one more for you. Yeah, I was kind of in a Leslie Nielsen binge. I just felt like it was uh, something that I needed to do. An American Carol, 2008, PG-13, an hour and 23 minutes, free on YouTube. Has a four out of 10,000 reviews. Once again, not very uh, <laughs> well-regarded in terms of uh, comedic antics uh, compared to his other films. The cover art tagline here is, laugh until your country depends on it. Yeah, that, that one actually kind of works. It's uh, the plot here is it's about it's an anti-American filmmaker, Michael Malone, a.k.a. he's portraying Michael Moore, you know, the uh, director who's, well, kind of a piece of shit, right? Out to abolish Fourth uh, of July, visited by three ghosts, kind of like, uh, you know, what the um, Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, of course, uh, who they do the best they can to change his perception on America as a whole. Directed by David Zucker, who wrote Airplane and Naked Gun, who also starred Leslie Nielsen. This film has many in its cast. Uh, Kevin P. Farley. I, I had a feeling. I was like, that looks like Chris Farley's brother or something. You can tell. But he plays Michael Monroe in this film. 
And uh, Kelsey Grammer is also in this uh, from, uh, what is it, Frasier, the 1990s sitcom, yep, as General Patton. Leslie uh, Nielsen as the grandpa who essentially tells the tale of this uh, story as Osama bin Nielsen. That's fucking an awesome name. Trace Atkins, the country singer, as the angel of death. Marching to the kingdom of the dead. Infamous butcher. Angel of death. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I <laughs> couldn't help myself. But uh, yeah, uh, Trace Atkins, yes, plays the angel of death. Uh, Gary Coleman and David Allen Greer as uh, slaves because he essentially goes back in time a couple times. Uh, Michael Monroe's character with the help of uh, General Patton, a.k.a. Kelsey Grammer. And it's pretty funny. Like uh, Michael Monroe is basically the biggest like slave owner. <laughs> it's just it's such bad shit. Just crazy. I mean, this one really was actually genuinely just funny. It just makes fun of everything. Like nobody is safe in it. Uh, Dennis Hopper is in the House of Representatives. Uh, John Voight as uh, George Washington and uh, James Woods as an acting agent for uh, Michael Monroe since it's funny. They basically just keep making fun of him. The pun is like, you know, since he's clearly just a documentary uh, director, like they keep making fun of him for only making documentaries and not a big movie uh, budget. Uh, trivially here, John Voight actually wrote most of his lines. Wayne Knight, a.k.a. Newman from Seinfeld and comedian Frank Caliendo from uh, Mad TV turned down the role as Michael uh, Malone. So uh, obviously Kevin P. Farley took over. The woman who says, I gave up an ass lift for this in the House of Representatives where Dennis Hopper is at. Uh, it's pretty funny. There's like a sequence where uh, these kids are basically in college. I'm sorry. It's not the House of Representatives sequence. It's where these kids are in college and they're basically just making fun of uh, college, um, I guess, professors just implying that they're essentially manipulating our kids into thinking that everything has to be accepted and tolerated and just essentially becoming weaker and weaker uh, people as individuals, weak-minded to mold and be malleable into these essentially people who are just liberals, you know, and it, it's funny because it, I think that in some regard that is true, you know, and it's funny that they do that. But anyway, the woman who says that she's like, Oh my God, my, you know, uh, my kid is here, you know, being told by these professors that are turning into a musical about, you know, basically just becoming weaker individual, weak minded individuals. She's like, I gave up an lift for this. That's actually Kelsey Grammer's wife, uh, Camille Grammer. thought that was pretty funny that I had to throw that in there. Released October 3rd, 2008, also known as Big Fat Important Movie. That's pretty funny, making a pun on Michael Malone. And uh, unfortunately, Kevin P. Farley is also just as big as his brother, Chris. Uh, its budget was $20 million, grossing only $7 million, so this film also flopped. It's also the final film from Dennis Hopper before he passed in 2010. Rest in peace, your movies were fantastic. Bill O'Reilly is also in the film to help essentially mitigate the understanding that it is clearly just a parody film uh, on right-wing conservatives don't take it seriously. I mean, Bill O'Reilly is clearly a sport and I have a couple of his books like killing Lincoln, killing Kennedy and so forth. And now it just, it, it makes me realize I'm like, okay, well, if he has a sense of humor, maybe this is something I should really just give a chance to and just read some of his uh, literature that he wrote. I I'm actually really intrigued. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 12%, 3.3 out of 10. I, I thought it was actually pretty funny, if you ask me. So yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. I thought it was the best of the three that I just mentioned. Uh, anyway, I don't have a lot on this film. I actually tried to watch Oppenheimer. The copy that I had apparently just wasn't necessarily as visually, uh, aesthetically what I wanted. It, it was like kind of grainy. The frame rate wasn't very good. It just in the uh, mouthing sequences when they spoke were kind of off. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll just get another copy later. But I had a copy of salt burn instead. And I watched that and I heard mixed things. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot and see what's up. So I watched 
Saltburn came out last year, 2023, rated R, 2 hours and 11 minutes, has a 7.1 out of 117,000 reviews, and rightly so because it's a little bit of a slow burn, no pun intended, against uh, Saltburn. Hang on, let me get a sip of my uh, liquid death here. Sponsor me, please. <laughs> ah, convicted melon, delicious. Anyway, uh, the ratings definitely deserve what it is given it it is definitely a slow burn as i mentioned but it's it's worth it in the end it's it's an interesting kind of film it's a comedy drama thriller about an oxford student who is drawn into an aristocratic uh, classmate who invites him to stay with his eccentric family at their estate for summer starring barry keoghan as oliver quick oliver not oliver what kind of fucking name am i talking about here AKA, uh, if you ask me, he looks like a young British Bob Dylan. That's how I viewed him. I was like, well, that's totally Bob Dylan. Richard E. Grant, uh, Sir James uh, Catton is who he plays in this film from Hudson Hawk. He is in that film with uh, Bruce Willis. Uh, Rosamund Pike from Jack Reacher, as well as Die Another Day, the Pierce Brosnan uh, 007, as Elspeth Catton, uh, Richard E. Grant's uh, wife. Uh, the tagline here is a beautifully wicked tale of privilege and desire short and sweet and to the point. And it, it like borderline gives away what's going to happen, but it doesn't at the same time. It's definitely intriguing and enticing and brings in the alluring audience. If you ask me, I think this one uh, works trivially. Roseman Pike lived in the house while filming actually took place. Uh, the Minotaur statue in the labyrinth was designed using Oliver Quick, uh, Barry Keoghan's body, as a reference to create the statue. Barry, a.k.a. Oliver, spent a Belfast weekend with uh, filmmaker Michael McNulty developing a Liverpool accent, drinking pints for 20 hours straight. It's pretty crazy. Released December 22nd, 2023, as of last year. It's weird to think that it was, uh, yeah, last year now. Anyway. Filmed uh, in Kettering, Northamptonshire, UK. There, I got it first try, yes. Grossed uh, worldwide thus far $20 million. And uh, interestingly enough, I saw this on uh, Wikipedia. Director Emerald Fennell says that her cited influences are a cross between A Clockwork Orange, 1971, and Cruel Intentions, 1999, where class, power, and sex collide in one place. Yeah, I can honestly get, in uh, get on board with that because it was almost like chaotic and then in terms of like class power and sex it, it literally yeah that's she was right rotten tomatoes 71 percent has a 6.8 out of 10 and then metacritic gives it a 61 out of 100 uh basically stating that it was mixed or average reviews but generally favorable at the same time cinema score giving it a b minus on an a to f scale all right i'm gonna take a quick break and i will be right back with uh recent pickups and so forth here we go Let's close out the episode with a couple of pickups I got. And then I was also going to convey that I beat EVO, the game that I was talking about previously on a Super Nintendo on a Enix. I think it took me about maybe five or six hours to beat. I had no idea how to uh, evolve myself into a human. So, yeah, I kind of cheated a little YouTube tutorial. It was like the mouth of a cat and like the body of something. I can't remember what it was. And then it just said, continue evolution, use your points. And it was like furthering the process, turning yourself into like an ape and then becoming a human. And uh, I finally got to Bullbox, the last uh, gelatinous amoeba boss who essentially has these like orbs inside of him. And he spews them out of this like little spout, I guess, elephant trunk looking thing that he has. Um, and it's like different bosses. It's almost like a uh, boss gauntlet, I guess, if you will. 
despite having to also kill him at the same time. And your only weapon is an axe. And uh, it seemed like the uh, process was to essentially increase your body size so you get full health at 80 uh, HP and then also to decrease your body size at full health at 70 HP. The difference being uh, in damage, you could do 20 as uh, an in a regular sized adult and then uh, 18 as a, uh, I guess, a shorter sized adult, if you will, I guess, uh, a homo erectus or a homo sapien, I guess, whatever type of human you want to convey here. I know it sounds strange, but uh, yeah, I was like, what the hell? Like, because I, I was like, all right, I'm going to see if I can just attack him. You know, these little mini bosses as well as trying to attack a uh, bull box, uh, the full size. And I was like, okay, so I think the tactic is here. Once you get low enough HP, essentially decrease your body size so you get full health. And then same thing, once you get low, increase it to full health. So then that way you get the entire full health. It was like a back and forth process, keep evolving and devolving in order to defeat these bosses. And man, this last little like reptilian type fish or whatever just kept fucking killing me, man. It was pissing me off. And then I finally beat it. And then I finally killed a bull box. Once you kill all the little like mini bosses, I mean, bull box basically just like stands there and you just attack him. And then you get to enter uh, the Garden of Eden, I guess, and, you know, be with Gaia forever. And it was it was a really cool concept for a uh, evolutionary, uh, you know, theory of that for in terms of a video game like action RPG. Very, very, very grind heavy, probably the most grind heavy video game I've ever played. But I would still say worth it if you, you know, can get past all that and you want to play something like that. I mean, for five, six hours of your time, I mean, it's worth it. Use safe states, too. Man, this game is difficult, but it was it was fun. So. Despite all that, I uh, went to the swap meet on uh, Saturday and even before that, um, before meeting up with my buddy uh, Nick, also known on this show as Pickle Nick, I went to the antique store in La Mesa in San Diego and I picked up El Shell Kick and Raff 1991, the Sewer Sports All-Stars action figure for only $8. It's missing his soccer ball, the flattened football, and the net that goes with it. It's obviously open out of box, but it seemed like it was still... In articulating a proper position, I'm able to put it on a shelf given the opportunity when I'm able to do so. I also picked up their Grand Slam and Raft from 1991, the Super Sports All-Stars as well for $8. It's missing his glove, cap, bat, and the stand that holds it all together. Uh, also made by Playmates and Mirage Entertainment at that time for $8. Uh, they also managed to have a walkabout, the uh, kangaroo, a mutant kangaroo who ally... Uh, excuse me, who only appears as an action figure and is an ally to the Ninja Turtles, and he has a sidekick as well called Kid Kangy. I don't have that. It's missing his weapons, the elephant gun, and the boomerang. I paid $12. I did some research on it because I saw that it said Mirage, you know, of that era, 1991, and I was like, is he an ally or is he a villain? So, I mean, apparently when it came out with these toys, they there weren't necessarily adaptations of them, not only in the cartoons or the comic books. Some of them were literally just the... Uh, action figures, just like in the uh, Sega Genesis uh, tournament fighters um, that they had, the um, 1v1 uh, tournament fighters via uh, Sega Genesis, there were like certain characters added literally just in the game, and then obviously Nika got a hold of them later on, and they decided to make action figures with them, but uh, pretty interesting, I was like, I don't know this character, but I knew it was TMNT, and I was like, I gotta get it, because you rarely ever see just strange stuff like that. Speaking of stuff that I don't feel like you really see all that often, I picked up the uh, Shredder Ninja Elite series when I finally went to the swap meet the same day, Saturday. Uh, Nickelodeon Playmates. I got it for $15. It goes for around $30, $40 I've seen on eBay. The box itself has uh, kind of bent corners, but in the uh, plastic encasing around him, it's a little scratched up. But I mean, the fact that he still has all the zip ties on him, he's in the box, still has all of his weapons, the swords, the psi. Uh, you know, he's clearly still 
all there. So I was like, all right, I got to pick this up. What does it say on the box here? Came out 2022, packaged by Playmates International Toy Company, made in China. Of course it was. I'm not surprised. Um, uh, you can visit the information via PlaymateToys.com. Let me read the back here for you. Playmate Toys, Ninja Elite action figures, including all of your favorite characters from 1984 to today. Celebrate, I like the pun there. There are many eras with six, six inches action figures dressed and decorated in detailed outfits and fully articulated to fight evil. Has 18 points of articulation. That's a lot compared to like, I feel like what I had as toys as a kid. But the story for Shredder here is something evil is afoot in New York City, and it's called the Foot Clan. When the Shredder learns of Splinter's whereabouts in the city, it's up to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their friends to protect their New York, <coughs> excuse me, to protect New York from their sensei's longtime rival, aka Splinter, obviously, uh, being their uh, sensei, obviously. You guys know, you're nerds too, right? The heroes in a half shell have got a lot more on their plate than just pizza. Fucking cool. Like, I don't think I had any Shredders, obviously, until now, so I'm glad that I picked that up. So, so cool. Uh, I also managed to pick up the Garbage Pail Kids Marvin Gardens card for a dollar on this guy's table. I was like, I'm going to ask this guy. I was like, because I've been reluctant to like pick up a Garbage Pail Kids stuff ever since I obviously own the movie. I love it, even though it's arguably one of the worst movies of all time. It's terrible, but I still love it. Um, and I even got, obviously, the game on Switch because it was one of those NES titles that was unreleased. And then now they clearly made a, a NES title that you can purchase now. But I have it uh, on Switch digitally. I think it was like $6. It was stupid cheap, but a really fun action platformer. I, I will definitely beat that one of these days and talk about it. But uh, the card is number 92 Alpha, or 92A, I guess, if you will. Uh, it is a parody of statues as fountains, and it also makes fun of the uh, location on uh, the game by Milton Bradley uh, Monopoly. Uh, graded, I was curious, on price charting, it goes for as high as $64, and loose, it usually goes for about a buck fifty. and I knew on this guy's table, I was like, if it's only a dollar, I'm like, I'll, I'll get it, so, I mean, if I can find garbage pail stuff for, you know, anywhere between a dollar to five dollars for, like, one card, like, loose, I was like, I might just start occasionally collecting them, I'm not really gonna seek them out, but it was one of those, like, swap meet tables where you kind of have to dig and i was like uh and i didn't really dig i just saw it out in the open i was like i'm gonna ask i was like a dollar i was like here dude take my money i'm like it's only a dollar i'm like this is cool i don't have anything garbage pail related other than the game or the movie that i mentioned but i also managed to snag at a different table resident evil zero and uh, i was curious once again price charting it goes loose both discs for 12 dollars or cib uh complete in box 17 the guy only wanted 20 and I was like, hey, look, I get it. If you're trying to make a profit or whatever, I was like, it's only $3. I was like, guarantee I can probably go to like a mom and pop store. It'd probably be, I'd say at least 30 minimum. So I was like, all right, I'm only paying 20 bucks, you know, $3 more than what it goes for online. I was like, that's fine. I'll play that. And uh, if you want it new sealed, it goes for $95. Like I said, I only paid 20 bucks. Uh, made by Capcom. It's dual disc. Uh, rated M for mature, and uh, it's the, actually the original black label. And on the back here, it's one player. Memory card uses nine blocks. This is actually a prequel, and it says, Before the mansion, before the disaster, evil is born. Set to investigate a series of grisly murders in Raccoon City, stars, Bravo team, scrambles into action. On the way to the scene, Bravo's helicopter crashes. Although everyone survives, what they discover next is a gruesome sight. An overturned military transport truck riddled with corpses. Rookie member Rebecca Chambers is beginning to wonder when she, what she got herself into. Bravo team is about to discover the evil nightmare that is growing all around them, and it's only the beginning. Experience the brand new Zero Chapter only on Nintendo GameCube. Fucking cool at the time, right? Came out 2002. Like I said, made by Capcom, of course, because it's Resident Evil. Oh, man. It, it, new storyline. Use more strategies. You switch between Rebecca and Billy for collaborative gameplay. That's pretty cool because I think you can switch on the fly. 
um, Nightmares, Beasts, and Nonstop Terror. Uh, it is CIB. I have the manual as well as a little registration like uh, information on here. The discs are in really good shape. I'm assuming they probably resurfaced them, and I'm like, for all I care, I'm like, who cares? I'm like, it looks like it's going to play flawlessly. The only other dual disc uh, Capcom Resident Evil game I had was 4 on GameCube. Loved it, beat it. I don't know why I sold it. Should have kept it. I loved that game. I think it was one of those where I beat it multiple times and I kind of went back to it and I was like, well, let me see if I can try and just upgrade this weapon and see what happens. I think I was going for the rocket launcher, got stuck on a boss and I just rage quit. I was like, this is dumb. I was like, I wasted all my time and, you know, in-game money and so forth to try and upgrade this rocket launcher and just died. And I was like, all right, I'm over it. But if I can find it again, I would love to pick it up. That or, uh, I mean, I hear great things about the Resident Evil 4 remaster on uh, modern consoles. Perhaps I'll try that down the road one of these days. But Anyway, I also, uh, on another note, picked up a Hellraiser 2, the DVD, because as I've mentioned, the one that I watched and reviewed the audio cut out, and obviously I was like, you know what, let me try the uh, DVD. I was like, the guy only wanted $2, and then of course we were talking horror. He had other stuff that I already had, so I was like, I don't need to purchase this, but I was like, do it for 2 bucks, and I don't own it? I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. Revisited it with my buddy uh, Jason who he and I met via uh, OfferUp when we were talking games. He's also retired uh, military. I'm obviously currently active military, so we had a lot in common. We both go to punk shows all the time, like the ones that I mentioned that, uh, what, TSOL, DRI, and uh, DI, we both saw together. And just a good dude. I'm, I'm happy to have him in my corner. And he just We talk a lot of video games, music, and movies, and we have a lot in common, especially being Ninja Turtle nuts, too. Yeah, super cool dude. But uh, I brought over Hellraiser 2, we watched it, and uh, and then I brought over my TurboGrafx-16 Mini, and uh, he's like, dude, I've never played any TurboGrafx before because it's like out of my grasp of, you know, finances. I'm like, believe me, I get it. I'm like, I paid $100 for my Mini, and I've seen it online anywhere between like $300 and up now, loose. And I even have the PC Engine uh, controller too, which same thing, that goes for like $50, $60 bucks loose. Uh, I got it all in a bundle for $100 bucks like a couple years ago, and I'm glad I have it. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun, but... I'm going to be talking about the games that we played together. Uh, Kadash. It's a dungeon crawler. And I was curious. I also have the uh, price charting uh, prices for these games on the actual Turbo Graphics, just to give you guys an idea of what you're getting into here. Uh, loose Kadash goes for $104 or complete in box $180. Because these boxes were uh, kind of like like a little cardboard box. And the, uh, the hue cards themselves look like basically like a Visa or MasterCard that goes into your console and it's held in place by like a little tab and you turn it on and... Anyway, the TurboGrafx is a very underrated console, if you ask me. Very, very cool. It has 8 and 16-bit uh, processors. Really, really cool. And it's obviously H excuse me, HD on uh, the TV because it's the mini. And you can alternate between TurboGrafx as well as PC Engine. And you can play the CD-ROM games as well. And it even pops up with a little screen with a little CD reader. And it sounds like it's reading a CD. So fucking cool. But uh, Kadash is basically... A, a side-scrolling a dungeon crawler platformer in the likes of, I guess, a... Uh, successor to um gauntlet if you will i guess in its own right it's a little different but uh it's a lot of fun uh we did we got relatively far he was like dude yeah this is something we can definitely both get into and i was like i know i was like because it reminds me of when you and i we were playing gauntlet and then we like oversaved your gauntlet file on 64 and then we kind of had to start over we had like all the weapons and everything to like fight the bosses you know it cuts their life and like i don't know a quarter to like half sometimes depending on the weapon you have and i'm like and then we oversaved it, and he's like, dude, this is basically a 16-bit version of that. I'm like, I know. It's awesome. But anyway, and then we played a Chu Man Fu. It's a puzzler with a big jewel uh, orbs that you play with, essentially these two girls, and you have to get these orbs on these squares, and you also have to knock out the uh, 
animals that are on that level too in order to get to the squares essentially don't get hit i think you get one or two hits and at the end of the stage you get these like diamonds or uh, emeralds or whatever the hell you want to call them and uh it you will you're allowed to essentially get uh life ups if you will if you have a certain score and so forth but uh, it was a lot of fun loose this game goes for about 86 dollars and cib it goes for 136 dollars if you have that good old-fashioned cardboard to hold it in place and then we played probably arguably one of the best shooters on the system next to in my opinion maybe lords of thunder which i didn't play because it was only a one player he was like dude you can play some one players and i was like dude i, I got this over for us so let's play some two players anyway that being said, I'm talking Ginga Fuke Densetsu Sapphire. Oh, man, just such an interesting title. The cover art, oh, it's, it's a, uh, one of those uh, PC Engine uh, CD-ROM games. It's a vertical shooter, really fast-paced. It's a lot of fun, really cool power-ups. Like borderline early predecessor to like uh, Bullet Hell, I guess, if you will. CD, though, the loose, the CD, the CD alone goes for $609. CIB, you're going up to about $1,000 yeah it's incredible uh if i ever go to japan and i end up getting one of those uh you know turbo duos and i can find it for a relatively affordable shit i might just get it just to be like yeah it's kind of like a trophy even though i obviously have it digital i might be like yeah i have it might be kind of cool anyway gradius uh one of those classic konami you know obviously because it's nec hudson soft and konami made the turbo graphics of course are going to have gradius on there classic horizontal shooter that was also on nes as well as game boy and many other consoles and so forth one of those staples if you will horizontal shooter loose the little hue card goes for about 39 dollars or complete 78 so if you go to a mom and pop store you're probably gonna be paying about 80 90 maybe even 100 bucks it's still relatively affordable but kind of pricey for what it is uh classic shooter if you ask me but uh we also play moto rotor which is kind of like rc pro-am on uh, nes and uh, loose, this one's actually affordable. It goes for $23 or CIB $50. So a mom and pop store, probably about $60. Bucks. And it's not that great. It's really not. I think RC Pro is a little better, if you ask me. Uh, and then we also played, I got a couple more here. Not, not very many. I played Ninja Spirit, made by IREM. Uh, the guys who are also behind uh, Rocky Rodent on Super Nintendo. I fucking love that game. Uh, anyway, loose goes for $60 or CIB $120. Basically picture like... I don't know, larger sprite version of like Ninja Gaiden uh, in terms of uh, action going on. You move a little slower. It's like Ninja Gaiden meets kind of like Kung Fu on NES. That's really how I kind of view it with a little more action sequences going on. Kind of if you also throw in maybe a little bit of uh, Gunstar Heroes from Genesis on there in terms of uh, chaos on screen. We played uh, Parasol Stars, which is a uh, offshoot from uh, Bubble Bobble. It's a puzzle-like game similar to that. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's relatively easy. You use an umbrella. You throw these creatures. They turn into fruit. You get all the fruit, and you essentially progress to the next stage. And a tiny little stage, kind of like the original Mario Brothers arcade meets like Donkey Kong uh, arcade, I guess, if you will. It's fun. It's corny. It's cute. It's quirky. Loose, 75 or complete in box with that good old-fashioned cardboard. Once again, $150. Uh, and lastly, we played Salamander, which is pretty much a two-player offshoot of Gradius. Uh, I really like this one, or a Life Force, as it's also known as, I believe, on NES. Uh, it's Gradius, essentially, but two-player, and it's also faster, also made by Konami. Loose goes for 31 or CIB. This one would also be relatively affordable, 65 so maybe Mom and Pop Store, probably about 80 to 85 just to guess. A little pricey for what it is, but that's not that bad, considering Turbo Graphics, as well as, like, Sega Saturn, Dreamcast, other games from just weird, obscure consoles, even, like, 3DO, Jaguar, just super expensive. But if this is something that you want, you like to play and collect, that's not a bad price. If I could recommend something to collect that's relatively affordable, I would say Chu Man Fu, 
loose, uh, Salamander, Ninja Spirit loose, 60. Yeah, because everything else, I mean, they're fun, but I'm like, damn, that's just so damn expensive for a fucking little credit card that has a game on it, right? But there you have it. I talked four films, recent pickups, games I beat, games I'm playing, and so forth. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess I was playing Turbo Graphics. I mean, otherwise, I haven't really been playing much. All I have right now is my Switch, and I'm like, I might be picking up Chrono Cross in the Radical Dreamers edition because I love Chrono Trigger. I love Radical Dreamers from what I've read. It just sounds like it's something that's up my alley that I could get into. But anyway, there's episode 115 coming at you. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing anything anytime soon because I'm actually going to be headed out to uh, see here for anywhere between two weeks to a month. So that's that's all I really got for you guys right now. I'm trying to punch out as much as I can and give you guys as much information as possible without, you know, I guess uh, that I'm allowed to convey to you guys. But uh, in terms of what I've done, this is what I've been doing over the last uh, couple days, the last time that I put out an episode. So I might be on a little bit of hiatus uh, stay tuned. I'm not necessarily sure, but as always, thank you for the love and support. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day, weekend, the holiday that is today, Monday, the Martin Luther King day. Uh, just be safe out there guys. Thank you.